And uh, we're going to talk cricket now. A lot has happened today as far as Cricket South Africa is concerned with the Members' Council releasing that statement saying that they will not appoint the interim board. They do not recognize this interim board. And the interim board then responded to that statement basically saying that they're going to do what they've been asked to do by the sports minister. So we'll get the views of uh, sports journalist Lungani Zama and then we'll also speak to a member of the interim board after the break. SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. And we are joined by the award-winning Lungani Zama. Begged another award today, Sports Journalist of the Year in KZN. Is that correct, Lungani? I can't keep track of your achievements. <laughs> I'm fine. Thanks, man. Thanks for taking time off from watching golf to speaking to us tonight. No, my pleasure, Chief. And congratulations on Mr. the award. Sir. Thanks, my guy. Thanks. I appreciate it. Man, what's your reaction to this statement by the Members' Council that they will not appoint this interim board? Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the greatest shows of arrogance, I think, uh, that we've seen in, in sports administration in South Africa. You know, when when you say that you need help, but you, you need help on your terms, uh, it's an extraordinary display of, of arrogance and uh, holding on to power at whatever cost... Uh, or hurt to the game because I think we all know through this winter that we've had and all the problems that have shown themselves coming from Cricket South Africa that change is necessary and uh, changing the people in power and the influence has been the most the biggest obstacle which is crazy Uh, you know uh, from players to sponsors to media to other stakeholders fans the concerns have been there and the voices have been getting louder and louder for change and, you know, the changes to start at the top. And you know, ministers have intervened, Sescock has intervened. And the fact that still, you know, you refuse to take the help in the way that it's administered because you feel it, it, it doesn't suit you. Just, it, it, it's incredible. You've been writing extensively about the shenanigans that have been going on over the past few months or a year and a half at Cricket South Africa. But now that we had seemed to be moving forward with this interim board, but the Members' Council is saying no, it seems it is an indication of defiance, of course. But why then are they so stubborn? What is it that maybe they are protecting? Well, I think, you know, the, when you look at it um, objectively, it has to be protection of people within that circle. You know, the, if you're saying that you, even the the, the Fondunzi report that was supposed to be publicised, the reasoning for that was that putting that out there would put the game into disrepute. But then, of course, we didn't also understand that because board members or people in high-ranking places would be implicated in that report. So we're protecting ourselves. We're saying we're protecting the game, but actually we're protecting ourselves. Now, uh, the fear, from my understanding, is that if the board implements the things that they want to the interim board, part of that is taking away the powers of the big position of the executive committee within CSA and almost uh, repositioning a few things um, and maybe even making people reapply for their positions. Now, obviously, if you're holding on to power and you can see that there's this shift and there's a Harun Loga who previously worked there, understands the positions of power and the channels of power and is trying to redistribute those, of course you're going to be stubborn and defiant about it because you realize that whatever this obsessive power that you want and have, you've got to hold on to it at whatever cost. 
and it is a cost now, you know, because again, we all thought a couple of weeks ago, okay, cricket's going in the right direction. Mm. And we all thought, okay, we're going to move into a summer of some sort of hope and optimism and sponsors and broadcasters are starting to talk again. And now suddenly we've got this major stumbling block. Even the minister mm. was very happy and said, exactly, I want cricket to do this. I want this interim board to take over because actually I do not want to interfere in sport. I've got bigger problems. And he does. Mm. Now we've got to wait for tomorrow to see how he reacts to this because this is literally defiance to him and his instruction. It's crazy. How do you expect him to react? What powers does he have after this defiance now? Well, uh, I think the, the, the reaction from the interim board um, itself with the statement that they put out shortly after the CSA statement is very encouraging. Uh, they define themselves. Uh, they're saying whether or not CSA and the members council recognize them, they got to do the job that they've been tasked to do, uh, which I think the wider public appreciates and understands the importance of them doing that. And if they've been mandated by the minister, who is the highest authority, uh, and he hasn't told them otherwise, they're going to continue. So I think it's, by extension, uh, the sentiments of the minister, because surely they would have gone back to him and said, hey, these people are not listening. What do we do? And he said, well, you guys must carry on. I've not told you to stop. I told you about three months interim to figure out how we move this thing forward. And so you would hope, and I think in terms of cricket, if we just look at cricket specifically, England arrive on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. South Africa go into a bubble on Monday with the intention of playing at three T20s and three one-day internationals at the end of this month and into December. I think the common sense thing to do right now for the minister and anyone governing the game is to treat cricket and cricket administration as two separate strands. Because cricket is now looking after itself it's mobilizing, there's domestic cricket that's happening, people are playing and performing. There's, there's matches that are coming up against England, there's matches coming up against Sri Lanka. There's hope, people are back on the field, you know, things are opening up, the sun is shining again. The problems within cricket are in administration. So I would hope, for the good of the game, that uh, Mr. Nteto treats those two entities completely separately and doesn't punish the game and the players under the same, or tar them under the same brush as the administration, because the problem is the administration, and it has been for a long time. So let's treat that separately. Let's allow players to play, and let's not compromise them as happened to the women over the winter when they were supposed to go to England, but because there were issues with CSA at the time, they were bundled in, and suddenly they didn't go on a tour, which would have been very, very important and very rewarding for them at a very difficult time. And finally, what were your thoughts on the makeup of the interim board when it was appointed the same board that this members' council is now refusing to recognize? Do you, did you feel that these are the right people to take the game forward or for now or for the next three months? Yeah, strong. You know, strong leadership, uh, strong in their respective industries. There's people who've played the game, there's people who've administered the game, there's people who care about the game. But I think the most pertinent ingredient is that... From my knowledge, and I don't know everyone there personally, but from my knowledge of the names that I saw and what I've heard about those names, they're not people trying to use the game and the position they're in as a platform to assume power. They don't need the game, and that's exactly the kind of people the game needs. If you're not looking at CSA as a pie that you must chow and then chop off slices for your mates, that's a very good starting point. And unfortunately, our game, like many other things politically, has been captured by people who see these things as pies. 
to then I must get the biggest slice, and then once I've got the biggest slice, I must start looking for my mates and bring them in one by one, and we must chow this thing until it's done. And when it's done, we move on to the next. And I think that the fact that there's enough people there who've accomplished what they've accomplished in their their respective professions, they're not looking at this as a stepping stone for bigger things. That's the most important thing, and that's where the administration of all sports needs to go. Not people who are power-hungry and ambitious to sit in the presidential suite and call their cronies that they drink with on weekends to say, hey, come. Let me introduce you to Quentin de Kopp because I've got the power because I'm the CSA president or I'm the CSA whatever. I'm the board president. It needs to get away from that. There needs to go back to the humility of serving the game for the game to make it a better future for our children and our children's children to play the game at the highest level with all the opportunities. But if your mandate personally is to chow and plunder and go to all these places and fly first class and loot the money and make these board fees higher than ever so that, you know, you, you're now chowing this thing. You shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be there. And that's what we need to remove completely. Loud and clear there, Lungani Zama, freelance sports journalist. Thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM tonight. My pleasure, brother. Thanks. I guess now we know why they're called Fat Cat. It must be all these pies that they are eating there in the VIPs or in the suites there. Anyway, let's move right along now and speak to the chair of the interim board that the Members' Council is not recognising and Judge Zach Jacob joins us on the line. Good evening, Judge, and thank you for speaking to us on SAFM tonight. Hello, thank you very much for speaking to me and hopefully we'll take cricket a lot further as a result of this interview. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we've been hit for a six now by the statement by the Members' Council. As the interim board, what's your, what, what's your reaction? It really was uh, quite an easy catch <laughs> because the minister mandated us with the consent of the board, with the consent of the council, to go into cricket and clean it up. We accepted the mandate from the minister. That doesn't mean that the minister is telling us what to do. We are an independent board. The minister has made it quite clear that we can do what we want to do. He is not going to boss us around and tell us what to do. But he gave us the mandate publicly. We accepted the mandate publicly. And then I thought, and we all thought, that the Members' Council had made an agreement with the Minister that they will regularize our appointments and appoint us to the board, appoint us as board members, mm. so that it's easier for us to do, carry out the mandate of the Minister, which is our essential objective, to clean up CSA. And we thought that they were going to make it easier for us by making us board members so that we could exercise our power. There's a bit of a trouble there because they realized once we got on that it was not in their interest to have us. Uh-huh. So they placed all sorts of obstructions in our way and now they don't want to appoint us to their board. They're saying you're so overstepping it's, it's, your duties and disregard. They, they are saying in their statement that you are overstepping and disregarding agreed upon duties. No, that's nonsense, because they have the view that we should be subject to them, that we should take them into account. 
our view is that we are independent. We, we, we are accountable to the public, to cricket, and to everybody at a broad level. But we cannot look at cricket under the control of the CSA and the executive and of Richards and of their executive at present. We made it very clear to them, and I want to make it very clear again, that we will not be controlled by them. We will investigate where we want to investigate. That is what they don't like. Mm. And uh, if they had nothing to hide, they'd have no problem. So all these little tricks are tricks employed, and I've seen them many times in my life, to avoid themselves being scrutinized and making themselves look good. It's actually quite simple. They agreed with the minister that they will appoint us to the board. Mm. They suddenly decided not to because they think that we'll probably be effective, and they're just frightened. That's all. And who then are you supposed to report to? Because they're saying that you're also not respecting the lines of communication because the minister had stated that you must report to them as the members' council. Okay. So as far as we are concerned, A, we are independent. Hmm? If we are appointed as board members, which they have refused to do, then the articles and memorandums of association of the company dictate the relevant responsibilities of the board and the members' council. It is quite a complex relationship because the members' council has annual general meetings. They are the most superior bodies. But the board looks after, if we are properly appointed, the day-to-day affairs of the council. So they determine policy at a broad level we report to them once in months or once a year or something. But we're not accountable to them at that level because they are an AGM kind of body. So I'm quite happy to report to them at, at, at an appropriate level. But their complaint is that we want to the minister. I want to make it quite plain that we are independent and in the sense of reporting in a dependent fashion. We will report neither to the council nor to the minister. But we are carrying out the minister's mandate, and I will consult the minister in relation to the mandate. He has the power to make recommendations to us, and we as an independent board decide how to take it forward. So we'll be controlled. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, I was about to say, Judge, that it seems like you have actually covered some ground since you were appointed in the past few weeks, and maybe that's why people are shaking in their boots. How much work have you been yes. able to do since? We've been able to do a fair amount of work. We've been able to study all the reports. We've been able to assess the members of the executive. We've been able to assess the politics in, in the members' council. So we understand a great deal and we're on top of it. And our position is that they make our lives more difficult by not appointing us as members of the board. But that only makes our job more difficult. It does not make it impossible. We have said to the minister, we will carry out our mandate regardless. 
and we will, because there are many, many ways of investigating and working these things out, whether the Members' Council cooperates or not. Have you had access to the full Funduzi report, forensic report? Yes, we have. And? So, I could report to you fully on that report. A number of issues mentioned. Mm. Uh, we've had a subcommittee who has looked at the report, four or five of us, and we still have to report to the board. So I have to be a little bit careful because although I'm a judge and the chairperson and so on, mm. I would like the board to consider our recommendations before I come to you. But I am going to go outside that in the hope that the board will forgive me and disclose one aspect just to give you an idea of what is going on without mentioning anything. Sure. It is very clear from the report that in 2018, there was an agreement between CSA and uh, the Players Association that they would be paid by December of 2018 two and a half million or something, somewhere there, 100,000 this way or that way, mm. uh, for their uh, performance in the MSL. Yes. So they played in the MSL. They submitted their invoices in January. And for some reason, I don't even begin to understand, bearing in mind that they have budget billions of rands, that they decided to trouble the players. Somebody in the executive or somewhere decided to trouble the players, and they paid the players 10 months late. And they made a deal with them, reducing the amount that they were supposed to pay them, the contract amount. From two and a half or two point six million, they reduced it by three hundred thousand. Mm. Now, all impressive, uh, all oppressive employers, sorry, do that. But what they do is they make a deal with you. Mm. Then they know that you need the money and you are poorer, and then they try and do a deal with you and make you pay three hundred thousand less. Mm. That is a horrible thing to do. Okay. But my problem is they had the money. Why did they wait ten months? before they paid the players. And my suspicion is that what happened, and the reason why they, they waited 10 months, is that the board or some big shot had some problem with some player or some members, member of the players' council, and they said to them, okay, you check with us, we'll fix you up. And the month delay was a grudge. That is my suspicion. And that is what I want to work out. And I mentioned this because for us, without good players, without a wonderful cricket council, without public honesty, and without a good public um, uh, approval rate, there'll be no cricket board, there'll be no cricket council, there'll be nothing. Finally, we've got a minute left. What do you make of the of the conflict of interest with Mr. Loggett that they've raised as the members' council? Oh no, no, that's that, that's very easy to explain. So what they've raised is that Loggett is conflicted because 
of his involvement in loans given to the provinces in 2015 or something at the time when he was CEO. And he gave those loans because there was a global thing going on, and he, as CEO, will admit that he gave those loans. Those loans have not been repaid, and that is the basis on which they are objecting because they say he is fingered in the Fundutri report. The Fundutri report says nothing bad about Lorgat at all. It just mentions these payments to provinces and these unpaid loans as a problem. I have spoken to Lorgat and I've told the members' council publicly after having spoken to him, and Lorgat has told them publicly that when this issue is, if this issue is ever discussed before the council, he will recuse himself. And I have made it clear to the public that if this matter is raised, I will recuse him with no trouble. And I say so now. If he doesn't go, I will recuse him. So it's a small problem. The real problem is that they're using all sorts of small excuses like this because I think they've got something to hide. Okay. Loud and clear, Judge Zach Jakob, Chair of the Interim Board, thank you for speaking to us and giving us your side here. It's going to be interesting then to hear what the Minister has to say about these latest developments in uh, in South African uh, cricket. Yeah, no, still a long way to go. Like they always say. We're going to have to leave it there because it is 8 o'clock and it's time for news. We couldn't go through to Sao Tome tonight. We'll try again tomorrow between 6 and 7.